Welcome to the Visual Artist Spotlight, the podcast where we interview artists from around the world, discovering how their world inspired their art. I'm your host, Miko Hayashi, leader of the Stitch and Bitch Club on Clubhouse and owner of Mimi Hana Threads, a handmade 3D embroidery company that creates beautiful wearable art accessories. Today's guest is Jared Smith, a tattoo artist currently living in San Francisco. He derives much of his inspiration from Japanese ukiyo-e, or Japanese woodblock printing. To see examples of his art, please visit his Instagram page at jaredsmith underscore art. That is J-A-R-E-D-S-M-I-T-H underscore art, A-R-T. You can also visit his website at smithtattoo.com. Jared, if you don't mind, uh, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Jared Smith, uh, originally from Philadelphia area, the suburbs outside of Philadelphia. Moved to San Francisco seven and a half, almost eight years ago now, and I'm a tattooer in the Bay Area, uh, mostly inspired by Japanese history and mythology, I would say. Um, Get involved in a lot more other art forms outside of tattooing as well. I really like to um, kind of try different things and and basically pare them down to the way things have been done historically and and the way things were done before the invention of chemicals and all that type of stuff. So I like to uh, find, I guess, the old old school or old world way of doing uh, different forms of art. A lot of it's kind of lost. I want to get a little bit further back into your creative history. Um, So with this podcast, we're trying to um, uncover what inspires the artist to make what they do like how did that start so um i guess my first question would be um what is your very first creative memory of actually making something i guess as a as a child um my dad was was very creative um less less in an artistic way but more in like carpentry and kind of being a jack of all trades and just doing everything around the house i used to get him to make like wooden swords for me and stuff when he was in the middle of uh doing his woodwork stuff for the house and um along with that um my mom was in in school for landscape architecture when i was pretty young and i used to see her come home with sketches for like bushes and trees and different plants and stuff and then she um had a a a project for school to make a 3d model of a park that she designed and um when i saw that i was like i was really impressed with it you know i was like i don't know probably third grade or maybe even younger than that and it was like i never knew my mom did art at that point and then when i saw her do that and my mom's not really that much of an artist but she's very creative and likes to like still do things and um but up until that point i'd never seen her do anything and when i did see it i was like really impressed by it and um kind of around the same time when I was in elementary school, they had, you know, the kids bring their, bring your parents to school and like the career day thing. And one of the kids I remember in my like fourth grade class, his dad was a cartoonist for the newspaper and he brought him in and I was just like blown away. I thought that was so cool as a kid. I was like, this, this guy's like a really good artist and he can, he does this for a living. And, and, and I thought it was awesome, but I was kind of, uh, I feel like that was kind of out of reach for me because I just kind of, at that age, so young, I just thought people were born being able to do art. 
And I didn't realize that, you know, everybody can just kind of learn. It just takes dedication. But, um, yeah, I, I think those aren't me doing artwork and being creative, but those are things that like spurred me to then, I think right following after that year of elementary school, I went to like a summer camp for cartooning and like kind of dipped my toes and never really got good at it, but it was always, I always thought it was cool. How did that experience of seeing other people create art, how did that make you, wait, what, what made you want to pick up the pencil and say, I'm going to start doing that. I want to be like these people. Like what's your first instance of that? I think I saw all that stuff at a young age. And like I said, I thought it was kind of out of reach. And then I, I never really messed around with it again until when I was 15 in high school, there was this kid I knew who was covered in like really awesome tattoos and he was older than me, but like he was kind of like in my, I kind of like used to be friends with people he knew. So I would be around him a lot and he had some really awesome tattoos and I saw them and it kind of like opened my mind to like a totally uh, different version of art. Like I didn't know tattoos could be that cool. I thought they were all just like, the old school traditional stuff that were, you know, I didn't see really beautiful tattoos. Were they the point. Japanese style tattoos or something? They weren't Japanese. No, they weren't. Um, there, so there's a style of tattooing called new school, which is like kind of very cartoony, almost like Pixar. And it was really popular in like the early and mid two thousands. Uh, it was kind of like its heyday. I mean, there's still people that do it nowadays, but that was when it was really big. And there was this guy doing that stuff from my like hometown area um his name is justin weatherholz um he's still a tattooer today and he's a phenomenal tattooer really awesome guy and um i feel like seeing his artwork and meeting him and then like the day i turned 18 i had an appointment with him to get tattooed by him and he's like kind of what what drew me in unknowingly he unknowingly is what draws me into tattooing and stuff but um Back to like what made me pick up a pencil and start doing that is, you know, I was around high school, you know, ninth grade, 10th grade, and I was like drawing tattoo stuff because I, I thought they were cool, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I was in a computer graphics class and I wanted, because that was like the cool class to be in. All the cool kids in art were in the computer graphics class. So, um, but to take the next computer graphics class, the next, um, step up, you, you had to have a prerequisite in a, of a drawing class. So my next semester, I took drawing. And then I, I think I did that. And like two weeks in, I, I finished my schedule for the rest of the, the rest of the year. All was just drawing classes. All of my electives were gone and all my study halls got filled up with uh, going to the drawing thing and just doing that. It was like, an accidental discovery like I had to take a drawing class because of computer graphics and then that opened my eyes to like whoa I really like this when you were first starting to draw was it closer to doodles or was it like actual serious drawing and what kind of style was it it was it was definitely like tattoo imagery like sacred hearts um I was doing like I didn't even know what it was but I was doing like buddhist uh artwork like like shiva and um, a lot of the different deities of like that, just because I was drawn to it, but I couldn't even tell you what it was. I just knew that I had seen other people do that and I didn't know what the reference for that was. 
but I was just kind of like recreating other people's artwork. And uh, a couple people I saw were doing like really, uh, really well done, like Prismacolor color pencil drawings and like the saturation of like a perfectly blended color pencil drawing was like unreal to me. I didn't know that color pencils could could be used that way at that time. So that was like a big draw for me too. What attracted you first to these um, mythological, like predominantly Asian, I suppose? Um, what what made you f- um, attracted to these images? Like what what set them apart from, exam- for example, uh, European style? I, uh, honestly, I can't tell you. I think um, I think it was just so different because you know I'm I'm. Um, from Pennsylvania, outside of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dutch, so far removed from any kind of Asian culture, as you can imagine. And um, I, I just, I think I just knew nothing about it. And I had never really um, experienced anything. It was so unknown to me. But um, the, 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 the imagery, like the, I, I guess the, the religious, but more so like the Buddhist or the belief uh, the imagery that's associated with that stuff, there's, it's so bold and colorful and, and it's, um, so different than, um, like European, uh, stuff where like a lot of it is almost doesn't even resemble a human, you know what I mean? Whereas a lot of the European stuff is more, more human resemblance. There's, you know, I mean, I guess you got dragons and stuff like that, but it just wasn't as cool. I don't know. (laughs) So I I think I know what you mean because I also um, grew up in the states and um, and I did find out at a very young age that I am part of the her- Asian heritage and that suddenly made things so much cooler. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I bet. <laughs> so I I think I know what you're coming from. And then um, I also was very attracted to the ukiyo-e style, which is the Japanese woodblock prints. Um, and to have something, a connection to that made me feel also very excited. Um, so I guess, how did you come across the ukiyo-e? It, it, did that come separately from the religious um, or iconic imagery? Yeah, that, the, the ukiyo-e uh, stuff kind of came later. I was like, um, I kind of feel like with all art, my, my, uh, my experience with viewing art, I would say, is... Um, I'm very ignorant in the beginning, like, like as a kid, you know, I would go to Philadelphia Museum of Art and I would walk through, I could be, I could walk through the whole museum in a half hour and, and be like, okay, cool. Like, what's the big deal? And then like, as you get involved with things and the more you like, your, your eyes can see better. I don't know how else to explain it as the further, the deeper you get into things and like, initially i'm a little embarrassed to say it but initially like when seeing woodblock prints they were just so simple to me i didn't i didn't get the appeal for them um you know it's like okay cool there's like a couple cartoons um and you know that was a very ignorant uh outlook on it but what opened my eyes to to woodblocks and ukiyo-e is everything's kind of stems from tattooing um i've always been interested in tattooing and that's what for me I think like Japanese, uh, like large scale Japanese tattooing is like the pinnacle of tattooing in, in my opinion. Um, and that's, I think it's just, 
it's just perfect. Like the way it's done, the way that it's it's laid out on the body, everything. Uh, the bold backgrounds, the the solid colors, and you can see it from far away, and it still makes sense rather than like getting turning into a jumbled mess from you know 100 feet away. And that kind of stuff is what in, got me introduced in, interested in Japanese art because I knew you know like the imagery for Japanese tattoos isn't just made because of Japanese tattoos. It's kind of a byproduct of woodblock printing and the woodcarvers not making enough money as being a woodcarver or cutter and and they could make a lot more money doing tattoos and and that's how all of that imagery turned into like Japanese bodysuits. Um and I think my main thing and what what how I came to learn as much as I, I could possibly learn about it is um wanting to do like I want to do Japanese style tattoos but um growing up how I grew up and, and not being Japanese um the only way that I felt that I could um respectfully do that is by tons and tons and tons of research and really kind of there's like a never-ending research that goes into that because there's just so much to it from like I mean, you're probably aware, but like the different seasons and, and the different kimono patterns that are associated with each story and all of that. Um, it, I was kind of researching all that so that I could do good tattoos, but then the research kind of became its own thing where I am just as interested in learning and researching Japanese history, mythology and art and culture as much as I am about tattooing. They're like two different um, interests of mine at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. But um, I guess the, uh, the, the, I was more mostly interested um, in your work, not because it's actually very good. I mean, I think you do an excellent job, um, but also because I wondered how the connection between you uh, yourself, as you said, a Pennsylvania Dutch heritage um was interested in um japanese heritage to the point where you've made it into your career and i thought that was um pretty spectacular yeah um i i, I just related all back to tattooing and kind of just like the more i like learned about tattooing and what i thought made a good tattoo the more i realized that like the japanese kind of hit the nail on the head hundreds of years ago hundreds of years ago when they started doing it and they just kind of have it all figured out and um it's just like perfectly simple and i love that and because of that it's then just like changed oh it's like kind of engulfed my life with all kinds of other interests you know i i love to travel i've been to japan quite a few times now and um i kind of feel like i will always be going to japan I, I don't, not, I mean, I don't think it'll, like, I'll still want to travel other places in the world, but I feel like Japan will always be like, eh, I'm going to go to Japan this year, well, you know, once a year or, or maybe once every two years, uh, for a long, long time. You know, there's just so much to see and do, and it's, it's infinitely inspiring every time I go. I actually wanted to ask you, uh, how is coloring on paper? different from coloring on the skin, right? Like, how do you master that technique? Because I imagine 
that the ink flow in the skin is different than you know just a simple um, colored pencil on paper, for example. Yeah, uh, I'll let you know how to master it when I when I figure that out. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's it's uh, it's totally different. It's uh, drastically different. Um, the for example, like tattooing is kind of like the hardest medium I've ever worked in, and I think one it's because it's not a uh, like a a hard and fast surface. It's not a consistent surface. Every part of the body, you know, skin's different under your arm than it is on, you know, inside your arm versus the outside of your arm or the inside of your leg versus like your back or your stomach. It, all those areas are all different and react differently. And um, not only that, every person is different too, whether their age or, or you know, everything, how they take care of their skin, every. Everybody's a, a little bit different. And um, so figuring it out is kind of part of it. It's um, it's really hard to learn because if you, for example, say you want to learn to paint on silk, like you can buy the silk, you can stretch it over the frame, and you can do go play around with silk for hours and hours on end. Um, to learn how to tattoo... You can't just like find someone to tattoo and then have them sit there while you mess around. And when you're learning how to tattoo, it's not easy to find people to let you tattoo them. As you know, like if you're coloring on paper or anything, you can just go buy infinite amounts and just mess up until you're good at it. Um, but with tattooing, it's it's kind of hard. You got to convince someone to get in the chair, then you got to put them through pain for hours, and then you uh, get it to the point where you think it's great and then you have to wait two weeks to see how you really did because you got to wait for it to heal and then if it comes back hopefully and they don't always come back but if it's like uh, an in-progress tattoo where they're coming back every two weeks or so then you get to see how you did and and then you can adjust from there and i think for me with tattooing um in the beginning, the, the hardest thing for me was doing clean line work. Um, and then also with shading and coloring, like you're asking, um, the way I like to think about tattooing, especially if you're filling it with solid color, is there's like a sweet spot. You kind of have to push the skin to the limit, but not over the limit. So if you want if you want to pack a, a, a you know a certain area with a solid red or a solid color to get it super saturated, you have to really pack it in there. But you have to be able to know when you're going too far because as soon as you go too far, it's gonna it's gonna be overworked. It could scar, and then even if it looks super solid and well packed in, it's not gonna heal that way because you've overworked it. So there's kind of like a sweet spot, and that just takes repetition and like doing the work and seeing it come back you, you mentioned that you it's difficult for you to practice of course i mean because you have to have somebody to come in and um i actually uh, i don't know if you remember it must have been 10 or 15 years ago there was these on tlc they had these reality tattoo shows right mm -hmm. and um i remember the apprentices would come in before doing that and they would practice on a pig 
<laughs> like a dead pig. And yeah. I don't, have you ever done anything like that no, or anything um, similar? I, there's, there's a couple companies. Uh, there's a company called a pound of flesh. Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's quite a few others now, nowadays, um, that make kind of like a skin substitute. They make all kinds of weird stuff. Like they make a full mold of one of those, uh, hairless cats and they do hands and arms and, and all that stuff. But it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like a silicone mold of a body part or, or just a flat slab of, of like the skin colored rubber. Um, and you can, I've done that a little bit on that. Um, but mostly it was kind of just, um, tattooing myself, a couple like little tattoos on myself just to like get the feel for something and, and, and then, uh, you know, find a willing, uh, and able person that's adventurous enough, adventurous enough to sit in and get tattooed. And then you just kind of like start with the simpler stuff and slowly take a couple bigger steps as you go. And if you um, tattoo yourself, does it, like, I'm just wondering about the pain tolerance. Like, do you ever make a mistake on yourself because it just hurt too much? Or do you just find a place, place that is not as sensitive? Like, how do you do that? You got to find a place that's, that's, that you're flexible enough to tattoo. Because with tattooing, you kind of need both hands. And um, you need, so you need to be able to stretch, stretch the skin so that it, it, it's like tight and held tight. Otherwise, like the, the needle could go in and it almost like grabs the skin and, and moves the skin around if you don't have it stretched tight. So you need to have both hands. Um, I tattooed my ankle. I tattooed um, like right above my knee on my thigh and I've tattooed on my foot. Um, honestly, the pain isn't isn't the problem. It's um, because with tattooing, kind of a, a way to like help with the pain is to be occupied and tattooing and being especially on a t like when you're doing your first tattoo and you have your mentor sitting over your shoulder watching you you're super concentrated and the pain is kind of like you could take it or leave it you don't it's it's not that bad it's because you're so distracted with what you're doing that the pain's kind of just there but it's not it's not terrible i see so i just can't um i actually did want to ask if you ever did tattoo yourself cuz i don't think i've ever seen a tattoo artist do that but I have, I, I've always wondered if they, you know, well, I'm just going to give myself a new tattoo, kind of like a st hairstylist would give themselves their own haircut. <laughs> um, so I guess my next question is, um, what or who is the very first thing you tattooed? Either one. Before I did an apprenticeship, I was tattooing my, I, I bought like tattoo equipment out of the back of a magazine. Um when I was like 15 years old, right when I was getting into things, I bought, I, I had gotten tattooed at that point. I, I talked my mom into taking me to get tattooed at 15. And then after that, like after I convinced her, it was like the floodgates were open. And I, uh, I had a couple hundred dollars. And um, my aunt Lisa, who I love to death, she, uh, she was, she's always the coolest aunt. I could talk her into all kinds of stuff. But she, um, she asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said, I really want this tattoo kit out of the back of this magazine. I was like, I got $300, but I need another $150 to, to pay for it. And she just gave it to me, and uh, I ordered it. And 
I so I tattooed myself on my ankle, and it was a uh, it was it's a little embarrassing, but it was a sticker. I just I didn't I wasn't good at art, so I just took a sticker from a local tattoo shop and I traced the image off of that, and then I tattooed that on my ankle. Um, just like no clue what I was doing. It, it, I still have it, and it's very very bad, but it's kind of a memory, so I I keep it. Um, and then after that, I was just tattooing. Old, old friends of mine and their friends and I was just doing like nautical stars all over the place and this was like 2003 probably so I was doing you know all kinds of weird stuff I did a bunch of stars I did uh, a three-eyed monkey that looked horrible uh, I did a gargoyle on, on a guy's calf uh, yeah I had some some memorable ones I tattooed FTW uh, in a guy's palm like re- really bold in his palm at like a party when I was like 17 and everyone around it was it was bad it was a bad scene but yeah those are a couple of them (laughs) actually um my next question when you said that you were 15 and you traced that tattoo on your ankle and then how did the other kids react like did you go to school saying like oh look at my new cool tattoo or did you hide it or like how did that how what was the social aspect of that that's a good question. That's that's a really good question, actually. Uh, I was always like conscious of that, but I never got any feedback from anyone. When I when I got my first like my first tattoo, it was a it was real. I got it done at a shop, and it was like well done. And I went to high school. Oh, I went to like a, it was in the summertime, so I went to like a pool party or something with like a bunch of high of like friends, and uh, I had this tattoo on my back, and I was like the only one, and I was like. It was a little ridiculous, but it, it was, people were like, wow, they were surprised. And then, uh, you know, everyone kind of just forgot about it. And then when I started doing tattoos, you know, it was kind of like not really, it was kind of out, it was like friends outside of high school that, that were involved with it. And I, I really only talked about it with a couple people in school. Uh, I guess probably I had a little bit of fear of being judged, maybe. So I just kind of like kept it on the lowdown. But, there was another guy, there was another kid in school who was also doing the same thing. He was like, it's in, in the tat, in the tattoo community, someone who is, isn't a, a like working tattooer in the shop is, is often referred to as a scratcher. So like there was another kid who was scratching at the same time in, in school. And I kind of talked to him a little bit, but we weren't friends or anything. So just kind of got left with that. So then when you were first tattooing, what, kind of like in high school um you know you start you did stars and you did a copy thing but uh, or you copied the um tattoo sticker but um was there a particular style that you were trying to aim for or was this just more practice mode for you like i, I mentioned that that tattooer justin weatherholt uh I, earlier i i was like way into his art i thought it was the coolest stuff ever and if um that's what I was going for. I was going for really dynamic, cartoony, but not like if you think of The Simpsons, more like if you think of Pixar movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, animals that are cartoons, but really dynamically shaded and show a lot of movement. The only problem was I was a terrible artist. I I didn't have the ability to do that, but I wanted to, and that's what I was trying to do. So I was doing like a lot of things with an all-seeing eye in the middle of the forehead and and stuff like that. It's interesting how early this started for you that I can't remember any 
kids in my school and when I was in high school who were you were donning tattoos on them or I know I know you you said you kept it on the down low the exposure and and um for how young you were when it happened and then you actually went out to tattoo other kids I mean how did those kids react to their tattoos when they first got it because well how old were they they were like 17 or 18 or so I guess I was 15 or 16 and I had like a high school girlfriend and her older brother had a bunch of tattoos and he was a pretty fun guy pretty carefree and he had a bunch of friends and they were all out of high school they were probably like 19 20 21 and they didn't care they were like yeah man try get good if, if you could tattoo me you can have my whole leg and screw it up i don't care tattoo whatever you want all over it and then when you get good just do a good sleeve on me and that's the line i got from so many people so i uh, him and like a lot of his friends kind of let me tattoo them and you know like the nautical stars were pretty good but i did like one good nautical star and then i then my next project was a huge stone gargoyle statue on the back of some of, of his calf it was like learning how to swim and then all of a sudden getting dropped in the middle of the ocean I had no <laughs> it's so far over my head I had no clue what I was doing <laughs> so did, did he did he like it did he like that tattoo at all I'm sure he, he's like yeah well, well we can work on it I finished what I thought was the line work <laughs> but it was really just a bunch of scratchy lines that kind of resembled a gargoyle a little bit yeah we were gonna refix it stuff like that and of course I we never did he's probably got a bunch of tattoos on his leg for me that Hopefully they're covered up by someone by now. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, I was going to ask if you would ever get back in touch with him and say, hey, you know, I remember that tattoo I did a while back. I can do it better now or something. <laughs> yeah, I would love to get rid of those and wipe them off the face of the earth so no one sees them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the interesting thing about tattoos because with paper, when you're practicing, it's so easy to throw away the ones that you don't like. But with tattoos, they're always there as a reminder. And how does that feel as a tattoo artist that the artwork you make will probably never go away until this person dies or tries to fix it with some other artist? It's definitely on my mind all the time. Because of that, I hyper prepare for everything. I, I'll do a drawing. I just did a centipede, for example, that I really like. I'm very consciously aware that my tattoos are going to age and I'm going to see them in five years and 10 years and 20 years. As an artist, if you're not growing as an artist, what are you doing? I will obviously see those tattoos and I really like them right now and I hope I will like them in 10 years. You're just going to evolve. That's just how life works. Because of that, I will do a drawing of something and do it until I really like it. And then I hang it on the wall. And I usually try to finish my drawings for tattoos a week or, or so, maybe a little more than a week ahead of time. And then I kind of just look at it, check it out every once in a while. And then I often do like three or four edits to a drawing before I'm going to tattoo it. And sometimes I'll even do like a full color study and shading, like grayscale shading of it before the tattoo before I even start the tattoo that way. I'm super confident in what I got going on. It's absolutely my best ability. It's been revisited a few times to exactly what I want. That's how I feel like I can prepare the best. I, I actually um, made me think that of how much preparation you're going into it. It's sort of like a dress rehearsal for going on to a play. And then that the being in front of the stage is like your one chance to get it right. And then if you don't get it right, then you kind of have to maybe pretend that 
or that oh that wasn't a mistake i'm still going <laughs> is that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's definitely like a dress that's how i treat it i think there's a lot of tattooers out there that don't and they don't have to there's some tattooers that i admire hugely that they don't even have to do a line drawing they just show up day of draw it on out of their imagination or probably from a reference they're looking at and then fully color it, shade it without color study, or obviously they couldn't have thought about how they were going to shade it because there was no line work. They, they had no drawing to begin with. And, and some people can do that and, and just like pull a tattoo out of their head and just tattoo it and it looks perfect. But me, I, I have to prepare and I like to know exactly what I'm doing. And that way kind of, I can almost turn my brain off when I'm tattooing. If I have the line drawing ready to go and perfect to have a perfect stencil so i know what my line work is i've probably done the line work for this drawing three times now because i sketched it then i transferred it to a line drawing to have really a clean line drawing for a stencil to be made from and then i do a second line drawing that i shade so my hand has done the refined line work of this tattoo three times before i've tattooed it on the skin even if my stencil wipes off or it gets a little confusing because it didn't transfer well I still know how it works, and I can almost build it. It's like building it as you go. I like to do that. That way, I know exactly what I'm trying to achieve, and I'm not just imagining how to shade it. I've already done that. I felt like there's a lot of pressure on you for, <laughs> for the final result. Those artists that you mentioned that can just do it out of their head, do you happen Do you happen to have any names on the top of your head so if our listeners may want to see an example of their work as well? I'm thinking of one specifically who does it. I mean, I don't know him. I've never met him. I haven't gotten tattooed by him, but I just see his Instagram and he just does everything drawn on by hand. His tattoos are beautiful and they're very much Japanese inspired, almost like yokai. He does a lot of stuff like that. His name's his name on Instagram is Dan, S-I-N, Dan Sin, all one word, D-A-N-S-I-N. And a lot of his pictures will be on like the carousel where multiple shots and the first one will be a shot of the finished tattoo. But if you scroll through the other images, you'll see that it's drawn on with Sharpie. And then he just tattoos it. Right wow, there. It's that's impressive. impressive. Yeah, it's really impressive work. And I mean, he's been tattooing for years. I don't know exactly how long he's been tattooing, but probably I'm assuming over 20 years or more. And I haven't been tattooing anywhere near that long. I feel like a lot of my prep work for a tattoo is based off of maybe a little bit of insecurity. Just because I want to be super confident, I don't know, maybe uh, 20 years from now, I will be have done it so much that I just know what I'm, how I'm going to do it. At this point, I, there's no way I would be comfortable doing that. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to be either. I mean, coming from my perspective, I totally respect your method of trying to get it right because... That's forever if, you know, and you always see these um, listicles of really horrible tattoos and you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> so I really appreciate the work that you put in to prepare for the final outcome. Yeah, thank you. I also like to be able to show a client. Sometimes line drawings are hard to read. They're almost like a map. Unless you're the artist who drew the line drawing, sometimes it's hard to understand. It's like looking at a blueprint. I also like to be able to show clients a shaded version or a full color study of what they're getting. And then a lot of times it kind of fills in the blank for them and makes them way more comfortable. What is a unique client experience you've had as a tattoo artist? Something that really stands out? Uh, I haven't had anything that's super crazy. A lot of tattooers, especially ones that have been tattooing for longer periods of time, have had some wild stuff go down. 
especially with people who work in street shops in the cities and stuff like that. Most of my experiences are just having really good conversations with different people all the time from all walks of life. Yeah, like yesterday I tattooed this guy and we just talked all the, the whole time about all kinds of things. But I, I don't have any wild, crazy stories. The shop I worked in when I first started tattooing, there was this big biker guy who was getting tattooed and he, he passed out, made a mess when he passed out. Yeah, other than that, I, I really don't have anything all that interesting. I personally really enjoy having conversations with people that are from all walks of life that I wouldn't normally have access to that conversation unless it's like being a hairstylist. People are really quick to air their dirty laundry to you because they might have all kinds of stuff that people in their close circles, they don't want them to know, but they're uh, really quick to let it go to you because they're just dying to talk about it. I've done a couple of tattoos where I've hidden boyfriend's names in the tattoos so that the husbands don't see them and vice versa <laughs> and wow. done some some weird stuff like that and uh, but yeah not, nothing too wild that is actually pretty crazy the hidden boyfriend name I, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I did actually I did some cherry blossoms um, and in, in, in the line work for the cherry blossoms we hit the boyfriend's name I don't know you know People, I feel like people get off on doing stuff where they're, I'm pretty sure she probably went and showed it off and then was wondering if anyone could see it, but it was her secret. The tattoo was actually really cool, uh, you know, aside from hiding hiding the names in there. Uh, it was a fun cherry blossom tattoo to do. That's, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, you get some weird asks sometimes. So what's the weirdest one this, the, that you that really stands out then, I guess? <laughs> um, so uh, when I was apprenticing in san francisco i had someone come in it was a someone i knew outside of that it wasn't a random person that just came to me to get tattooed it was someone i had met elsewhere and she she wanted a a ball sack <laughs> this is weird sorry a ball sack with sunglasses wow <laughs> yeah and i i drew it for her she like changed the way she wanted it and she wanted it to be like, I don't know, really weird with, with Ray-Ban sunglasses on and it was just <laughs> line work and that was the weirdest tattoo I ever did and it was like one of the first, one of the first tattoos I did. Does that, <laughs> that's so different from your, your style like you do right now. Yeah, I mean, different. does that make you apprehensive yeah. for taking custom requests then or like? <laughs> no, does, I'm, no, I'm down to do anything. I love Japanese stuff. I really like pushing my portfolio that way because the more you share your portfolio, the stuff that you want to do, the more it comes to you. I do anything. I'm happy to do anything people bring me, especially goofy, weird ones. I think they're fun and funny. You know, why Why not? I think they're a great, it's a great story to have. So, yeah, I'm down to do most. Okay, so that is your unique client experiences. <laughs> yeah, I guess you brought it out. I didn't I didn't recall that until you asked me the question. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely unique. I, I... You mentioned that you like to talk to the clients kind of like a hairstylist does. Does that mean that you kind of also feel like a tattoo artist slash therapist at the same time. I've heard other tattooers say that because clients will dump some heavy stuff on you. And that kind of gets to be a, a little bit of a burden sometimes. You don't want to shut someone down. If you're tattooing and you're just hearing like heavy story after heavy story, it, it can wear on you. 
most of my stuff is pretty lighthearted, and it's mostly just joking around or telling, like, a wild story. I think the most memorable one I have so far is San Francisco's... San Francisco's a very, I guess, progressive place, and there's a lot of different, like, setups for how people love lives and the different arrangements between husbands and wives and all kinds of different things. I basically get a lot of the dating drama is mostly what I get from when I'm tattooing from people. But I haven't really gotten anything too heavy where people are sharing stuff with me, but maybe a few memorial tattoos for parents that have passed away. I've definitely heard other tattooers talk about the feeling like a therapist. So the final question I'll have for you, Jared, is um, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? What do you see yourself doing or maybe location, for example, or professionally, anything? Well, man, you're like hitting my goals list now. Uh, <laughs> I think ideally I would... I'll probably stay in the Bay Area. I just got engaged recently, oh. and my fiance is born and born and raised here in San Francisco. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're super pumped for it. Her family's here in the Bay Area. It's a little expensive here, so the idea of you know buying a house and all that kind of stuff is daunting. But in ten years, I would love to be living in the Bay Area, own a house on a little bit of land where we could have a garden and maybe some goats or something cool like that. And then I really want to put a lot of effort into traveling, continue to travel. Just got back from San Diego. I tattooed in San Diego. That was my first real trip. And I guess you call it a guest spot in tattooing where I got to go work at another shop for a couple of days. In 10 years, I hope to be traveling around, doing a lot of guest spots at a lot of different shops, you know, hopefully worldwide, hopefully Europe, Japan, all over, just doing less walk-in tattoos and more, uh, I'd really love to do back pieces and sleeves and bodysuits, more of a Japanese theme. I would say if I could be exclusively doing that, I would love that. Yeah, I don't know, just more tattooing. <laughs> All right. And lastly, sorry, it's a really last question. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's on the edge about getting a tattoo or not? Do it. Just do it. Why not? I think it used to be very stigmatized. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. When I was a kid, my grandfather owned, owned a big gas station, mini mart, garage, car wash thing. We used to get all kinds of people coming through there. He owned it for like 45 years. So as a kid, I would see all kinds of people. With, you know, I would see people with like throat tattoos and they would be scary looking. And a lot of that stigma has gone away. And, I mean, it's never going to completely go away, I don't think. But, uh, a lot of people are worried about pain, and and if you're just on the fence about getting a tattoo, the pain's not going to be bad. It hurts while you're getting tattooed. The woman I work with at a tattoo shop, she often, uh, Claire, her name is, she often describes it as like getting scratched by a cat on top of a sunburn, and that's what it feels like. As soon as the needle's not in the skin, it doesn't hurt anymore. So if you're getting line work, you might be in pain during the line. And then you got to stop and dip and get more ink. So it's not like if you're getting tattooed for two hours, it's a constant two hours of that pain. It's like in waves. You can handle anything for that amount of time. And if you're getting a small tattoo, I don't think anyone should be scared of the pain because you can do it. No problem. <laughs> All right. Um, That's my advice. No, good advice. <laughs> Jared, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Miko. Uh, good luck on your tattooing and let me know if you have any more crazy stories uh, for tattooing or if you're planning on visiting Tokyo, for example, because yeah, um, sure. where I'm located. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I had to cancel two trips 
during this pandemic where I'm getting a back piece done in Yokohama, actually, by Shige. Anyone who is listening, you should check out his work, Shige Yellow Blaze. He's a phenomenal tattooer. Yeah, I definitely plan on coming to Tokyo, Yokohama area, hopefully within less than a year. So I'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for uh, giving me the interview. It's been great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. You were listening to the Visual Artist Spotlight. Today, I interviewed Jared Smith, a tattoo artist located in San Francisco. If you're interested in looking at his art, please check out his Instagram at jaredsmith underscore art. Up next, we have a photographer named Brandon Small based in Tokyo. Whenever I was a kid, I also liked to lie a lot. And I know that liars get a bad rap um, because, you know, you shouldn't lie. Lying is bad. But one of the things that I've read in a lot of research that I've done in a lot of psychology courses that I've taken is that actually lying is a hallmark trait of creative individuals. That's up next week. Make sure to visit my Instagram at MimiHanaThreads to get more updates on new shows that will happen live on Clubhouse. You can also follow me at Miko Hayashi or the Stitch and Bitch Club on Clubhouse to get alerts on live interviews. Make sure that you are also following me on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, or via RSS so you never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd appreciate a rating. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that'll also help out a lot too. Be sure to tune in next week to hear Brandon Small talk about how his life and his upbringing influences his photography in Tokyo. I'm Miko Hayashi, and thank you again for listening to the Visual Artist Spotlight.